the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomenon, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. A retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st Century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And welcome to A Different Perspective. And I am indeed Kevin Randall, as the uh, intro said. I don't know what I hesitated there for, but I did. Uh, before we get, I bring on my guest, Dan Wright, who will talk to us about the CIA UFO papers, a couple of things I wanted to make mention of. Um, there are some other fine programs on about the paranormal on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. You can find that at xzbn.net. And take a look at the listings at the X-Zone website, and you'll find something I'm sure that will spark your interest. For those who are interested, I'll be in Roswell at this year's festival. I hope to interview some of the participants about their work and their theories. And I'm not going to say who... 
I'm going to attempt to get because I haven't lined anything up yet, but there are a number of people I'd like to talk to, and we will be doing that live and in color from downtown Roswell, but of course you'll be hearing it on tape, so there you go. And if you do get down there for the festival, come around and say hi. And don't forget about the International UFO Reporting and Research Center. The website is www.ufoorc.com, and you can report your UFO sightings there. And we're attempting to create a database that will, uh, I guess, contain a little bit better information than we find in some of the databases that are out there. A way of looking at these things with a perspective uh of um, trying to determine exactly what's going on as if some of us don't already know. As I said, I'm joined by Dan Wright, the author of the CIA UFO papers. Uh, Dan Wright is retired from Michigan Civil Service where he was a senior analyst and technical writer in the State Department of Social Services. In 1978, he joined the MUFON UFO Network, a multi, well, I don't have to describe what that is. Uh, following his Ascension to the Michigan State Directorship of MUFON, he was further elevated to the International Board of Directors in 1986. He subsequently served two terms as MUFON's Deputy Director in charge of all North American investigations. He authored multiple chapters in the Manual uh, for Investigative Procedures for MUFON. He was instrumental in devising computerized case reports, and he conducted a five-year study involving 300 cases of alleged alien abduction. In 1995, 1997, and 2003, he was selected to speak to members gathered at the MUFON International UFO Symposium, and in 2014, he published Winter Solstice, a novel shedding light on Islam and Christianity and corresponding Middle East and American politics politics while introducing a superior non-human intelligence. Yeah, I was good. The reason I fumbled over that, folks, is because for literally decades, I have been criticized as being a fiction writer, and somehow that disqualifies me from legitimate UFO research. And yet, as I talked to more of the people in the UFO field, Bruce McAbee last week, uh, another one who has written science fiction novels. Um, I think Nick Pope has, uh, Nick Redfern has, and now we have Dan Wright, who's authored a, uh, a, a novel. So I don't think that's a disqualifying uh, statement anymore. If you write fiction, it doesn't mean you can't investigate UFOs. I don't know why it would be a disqualification, but some people think it is. Anyhow, Dan Wright holds a Master's of Arts degree in Political Affairs from the University of Illinois in Springfield. Dan Wright, welcome to A Different Perspective. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. That was quite a long introduction for me, and um, I'm mildly <laughs> dyslexic, and that's why I stumble over these things periodically. So there you go. Now, you have authored a book, I think, with uh, John Herzon, Herzon about uh, CIA and UFOs. Um, yeah, I actually, I was the sole author, but Jan Herzon being the... Uh, International or the executive director of MUFON uh, is officially a co-writer of this. Okay, and uh, how uh, did this how did this book come about? <laughs> Curiously, um, it was back in most of two years ago now, early seventeen. I read that the uh, CIA had dumped a million pages of UFO materials onto its website. These were um, 
files that had previously been um, um, FOIA'd. They had been made declassified, but they were only housed at the National Archives in Washington. You had to go there personally and use one of their four desktop computers in order to see any of this stuff. Well, three days before Barack Obama's second term expired, and I'll always think that he was behind this, he had all these files placed on the CIA website so anybody could look at them at home. And I thought, what a wonderful and, and large project. So I called Jan Harson to say, um, I would be, if you're setting up a team, I'd be willing to uh, join it. And he said, no, actually, I haven't, but uh, you're invited to. <laughs> well, I decided to look at the first part of these papers, and it turned out not to be anything close to a million pages. It was about 20,000 documents, possibly in, uh, involving maybe 100,000 pages, but 90-some percent of those had nothing at all to do with UFOs. It, it seemed, and to my conclusion, anything, uh, as Jan suggested, anything that had the three letters UFO in order anywhere in the document got put onto that pile. Uh, I don't know if it was the analysts in the agency or if it was left to file clerks but if you wanted to know all about the total rail tonnage in Bulgaria in 1956, well, it was there. Well, how but would UFOs, how would that how would how would that end up in a UFO document? What what possible UFO does it was just throwing them on a pile, just throwing them on a pile. What? Anything maybe that didn't easily fit another subject got thrown onto this pile, and so 90. Seven or eight percent of it had nothing to do with UFOs, but I did find in total 550 usable documents, and these had been largely sent to the CIA from its uh, quote-unquote operatives around the world. If you want to call them spies, sure. Uh, they would send in sometimes formal reports. Other times it was a matter of sending along newspaper articles from wherever in the world they were. Um, but that's what became the 550. But as minuscule compared to a million pages as that seems, they tell quite a story. A well, let me, story let me, about let, the agency. Let me, let me interrupt here because you said something that caught my attention, which was the agents, the operatives, whomever they were overseas, would send in newspaper clippings. There was a project known as Moondust. I'm sure you're familiar with it. And uh, No, I'm not, actually. Well, it, uh, it started in 1957, and it had a UFO component to it as well. It was a, a, a project that was responsible for recovering returning space debris of foreign manufacturer okay. on unknown origin. You know, unknown origin, of course, UFO. But it had a UFO component to it. I found four documents in the Project Blue Book files labeled Moondust. Uh, they were really crappy sightings okay. and sounded like meteors. And there's other, there were a whole bunch of State Department documents that related to Moondust. It had a Moondust designator to it. 
and there was some other documents that came about. This sounds like like it might have had a, a link into moon dust, but you were completely unfamiliar with that term, moon dust. I, uh, yes, I was unfamiliar with it. Um, but as I started to say, these documents in total say a lot about the CIA as an agent. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. And how they addressed the UFO topic in a, in a phrase. They did not want any responsibility for filing, investigating, communicating about UFOs. But at the same time, various principals within the agency were always curious about the latest events and news about the subject. They always wanted to be on the edge. They never wanted to take responsibility for it. Well, that's very interesting because it would seem that part of the uh, CIA's area of intelligent gathering would be something that related to UFOs uh, as a matter of national security. Uh, and it's the same, you know, excuse One the Air Force, think. the same excuse we've given to the Air Force, where they said, "Well, we don't, uh, we don't investigate those anymore. If you feel threatened, call the local police." But their mission requires yeah. <laughs> them to investigate UFO sightings. I'm going to have yeah. to take a break here because yeah. we're running up, we're running up against the first first uh, break here, for what it's worth. Uh, I believe the book is called the uh, CIA UFO Papers. Uh, you can find it at Amazon, of course. You can take a look at it. It's by, by Dan Wright, and that's Wright with a W, as in Wright Brothers. Uh, I'm sure there's no relation there, although everybody was from Michigan, I guess. Uh, once again, I'll have more information about this on my blog at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And if you get a chance, take a look at Roswell in the 21st Century, which I will be discussing at the Roswell Festival, uh, where the Roswell investigation is today and where we need to go from that. And also, I'll probably talk about um, Encounter in the Desert, which is the... Uh, Lonnie Zamora story I did. We will be back right after this with Dan Wright, so stick around. It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? 
Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by Shaman Worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com. I am here with Dan Wright, he of MUFON, and the book is the CIA UFO Papers, which is available everywhere, I guess. Um, uh, he, a, a correction there. Oh, it is not actually published yet. It will be in a few uh, months. It's in final draft form now. Ah, well, when we jump the gun here. Well, everybody's getting a leg up on it, and they'll be looking for it when it comes out. Um, yeah, it will be on Amazon, of course, and available through MUFON directly as well. Okay. Is there a website available? Will it be uh, on MUFON.com. Okay. All right. When we left, we were kind of talking about the CIA's lack of investigation of UFOs, yet their interest in them. You said that uh, developed through your research into the papers. You want to expand on that? Yeah, I I'm, was just looking at a note here from 1952 when um, to um, its field representatives uh, – the folks in, at um, Langley, Virginia, said there should be never any indication that the CIA had any interest in this subject. But, of course, in saying that, you knew that they did. The CIA actually goes back, a, a proto-agency, as it were, goes back into World War II, um, a World War I hero and commander named Wild Bill Donovan was named at, in 1943 as a coordinator of information for Roosevelt. And then a year later, that was expanded into being the Office of Strategic Services. And Wild Bill was uh, the director of both of those. And then in 48, um, yeah, 1948, it was officially named the Central Intelligence Agency along with the National Security Council. They well, were before, 
before we go at this game. before we go i think we should point out that uh, bill donovan also was a holder of the medal of honor so he was uh, oh well, indeed and the medal of freedom he has every major medal that was ever given by our government and he had, he was in a a turf war with j edgar hoover cuz hoover thought that the fbi should be doing some of the intelligence work in the uh, the united states and in the uh, western hemisphere and uh, donovan's work should be just overseas so there was quite the turf war going on during world war Two, which always amazes me. You know, we're so busy fighting ourselves that we sometimes forget who the enemy really is. But uh, you were, you were saying that uh, Donovan Donovan took over. Well, he, he was not a director of the CIA, was he? Was he still around at that point? For a brief time, yes, he was. And then and Roscoe then he dropped out, and it went and went through a number of hands. Well, didn't uh, Roscoe wasn't Roscoe Hillencotter one of the uh, first directors? He was, but. For only a matter of less than a year, and then he joined NICAP and became quite a stick in the agency's eye. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, but I did want to. Yes. I wanted to finish a point from a moment ago, where I had quoted um, about continuing surveillance that no indication of CIA interest or concern should reach the press or the public, and this is their reason, in view of their probable alarmist tendencies. If you heard today that the CIA was looking into UFOs, well, that would just about increase the, um, the believability by a thousand percent. If the CIA is involved, there must be something to it, and that's the reason that they never wanted to be tabbed as UFO enthusiasts. <laughs> and that's laid out in the papers that you've looked at? Yes. Okay. Yes. All of the stuff is direct quotes and paraphrasing of stuff I found in these documents. Were there any interesting sightings in the documents? Oh, heavens, yes. Um, um, many of them from after Project Blue Book folded up its tent and hoped that the whole subject would go away. Um, for example, in the early 80s, 1983 and 84, um, around Putnam, New York, and uh, a couple of towns in Connecticut, um, there was a, an enormous black either boomerang or triangle. It's been called both of those for a long time. Uh, it was hovering right over Taconic Parkway and over rooftops in Carmel, New York. Um, people were stopping their cars and gawking by the hundreds. And then after it appeared in early 83, one year and one day later, it came right on back and was just going jogging speed, making tight circles and so forth, and leaving people just drooling on their shoes. So that's something that, yeah, well, that the CIA had nothing to do with, did not really react to, but it was there, and it was embarrassing for everyone after they had said, oh, no, nothing to look at here. Well, uh did they did they investigate the sighting at all? Were there any uh, no. indication? They 
where, where did they pick up their information? Were they getting it from the UFO networks or the UFO organizations or what? That is hard to say. Um, let me explain that chapter by chapter, I have all of the materials for a given year that reached the CIA. And in their file dump of 2017, they said that's all there is. But that left out many, many prominent cases, both in the U.S. and around the world. So I have used various um, uh, sources, uh, UFO encyclopedias and uh, books by Good and, and uh, several others, and for the end of each chapter, I have a section that I call, While You Were Away From Your Desk, which is my sarcastic way of saying, you're not covering these cases, and I think it's because you put a national security blanket on them. And these in, the, in New York and Connecticut would be along those lines, because hundreds or thousands saw these things, including, you know, newspapers and TV crews and so forth, and yet the CIA was absolutely silent about it. And I have, at the same time, even, you know, the CIA was not supposed to be looking at stuff domestically, and even if I give them that um, break, they also missed any number of airbase intrusions, military pilot sightings, and so forth in Europe, in South America, places they ought to have been taking um, a good look at. They claim, no, nope, um, nothing there. Well, this whole so thing is kind of... Sometimes how to uh, analyze their silence when some of these cases were very, very prominent. Well, the thing, the thing that seems worrisome to me is, you know, this is in their purview. They're supposed to be doing this. And you say this is, they claim these are all the documents they have about UFOs. They, no, no other classified material anywhere? Yeah. Well, if, you'll, if you're old enough to remember Richard Nixon and the final days uh, in, in office in 74, he told his um, aides, that there would be a limited hangout, that they would come sort of clean. Well, I think that's what the CIA has done with UFO documents. There are some that are just their national security implications, and they will never see the light of day. Here you go. Here's the rest. Let's call them everything. Well, I can understand the, the reluctance to publish documents that affect national security, and I can think of a number of different cases that would do that, such as the missile shutdown in Montana in, what, 1967-68. Uh, that would yeah, implicate, that would be... in 75, four bases along the northern tier of the U.S. were visited. Uh, that was Loring um, in, uh, let's see, is that New Hampshire? Um, and the... Um, a Canadian base, Falcon Bridge, and then Wurtsmith in Michigan, and Malmstrom, as it had been visited in the mid-50s, and again in the 60s, 
There it was in 75. And in between, there was uh, missile silo intrusions um, at one or another Western base. Again, the CIA was not supposed to be looking at domestic matters, but wouldn't you think something like this with real national security implications that they would get involved? But you can't tell it from their, from their document dump. Well, let's um, take a break here because we have to. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about that. I know that uh, what is it, um, in Cheyenne, Wyoming, the uh, Air Force Base there was also had an intrusion as, as well. Uh, so we'll take a look at all of that sort of stuff with Dan Wright. Uh, the book, when it comes out, will be the uh, CIA UFO papers. You can probably find it then at uh, Amazon.com. My blog is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com, and there'll be information about this book and other UFO stuff at the MUFON website, which is basically MUFON.com. Just type MUFON into your search engine, and of course, you'll be able to get there. I will be back in just a moment with Den Wright, so stick around. here and they've been here for thousands of years making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God, and finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. 
It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. I am here with Dan Wright. His book will be uh, the U uh, CIA UFO Papers. And the reason I'm hesitating here, for the life of me, I could not remember the name of the Air Force Base in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And when I was a kid growing up, I lived like two blocks from it on West Pershing. <laughs> and those of you who know Cheyenne, Wyoming, would know West Pershing goes right into the main gate at Francis E. Warren Air Force Base, which had been a cavalry post during... Um, the old west days and they have a museum there and there was a sign in the museum that they used to hang up in the barracks when it was a cavalry post that said do not shoot buffalo out barracks windows so uh i know all about francis e warren and i couldn't think of it and i know that there had been intrusions there as well and when we're talking about intrusions what exactly does that mean uh, uh on occasion it would be a saucer hovering over a runway it might be a saw. It's usually saucers. It could be a globe, a sphere, but most of these involve disks. Uh, it could be hovering directly over a missile silo, or as in the case of, say, Wurtsmith Air Force Base in Michigan, it was hovering over a mound that had underground nuclear storage. They were very concerned about our nuclear capacity, both in terms of bombs and missiles, and probably still are. Well, I thought I was thinking when, when we were talking intrusions, I was thinking specifically of Maelstrom, where they had actually shut down one of the missile wings um, for a period of time. They, the, mm -hmm. uh, the people in the capsules, the commanding officer, and all that, did not have the capability to communicate with the missiles if they had been ordered to launch them, they would have been unable to do so. The whole thing was shut down. And that, that of course, would be a tremendous um, of interest about national security because if an outside force could shut down the capability of retaliation, then an enemy wouldn't have to worry about that retaliation if they could do that. So that, to me, would suggest uh, the CIA would be extremely interested in that and it would involve, I suppose... Uh, there, to their way of thinking, enemy agents of some kind that were testing the capability to do that. Yes, to some within the agency, it was likely or probable that these were Russian-made. Um, that kind of, that lost sway over years, but initially in the 50s, agents really thought that this had to be something Russian. Um, I wanted to mention a couple of places where the CIA tried to get out of this business. The, during 1952, which was a very popular year for uh, witness sightings, they came to the uh, common conclusion that 
the, the public would never accept um, that there was nothing to it unless they gathered a group of scientists to go about it methodically. And the first of those was a small group called the Robertson Panel. Howard Robertson was a, an uh, esteemed physicist, and he got a few folks from universities. They spent all of four days within the agency at the Office of, of Scientific Intelligence um, looking at a couple of amateur films and some other doc of narratives by people and decided there was nothing to it. And then they made a big splash about sending the Robertson panel report all around the country to news media and so forth, saying we have officially now, um, we have the scientific backing to say there's nothing to it. Well, we go to the 60s, and that was uh, a very problematic decade for the agency. And by 66, the Air Force was complaining to the CIA that they they couldn't get rid of this problem. They, they couldn't explain it away. Um, no matter what they said, there would be occasional flaps of activity, and they really wanted to pass the baton. So another group was put together, and this became known as the Condon Committee. Uh, Condon was another physicist, and he got a few psychologists and a few physicists together, and they had a contract for 18 months uh, and $325,000 to study this thing at the University of Colorado. Now, they had just barely gotten underway when Condon himself told a newsman, uh, you know, there's, from my take on this, there's really nothing to it, but I'm not supposed to make that decision for another year. Well, that told me where, where his perspective was. Um, and so, again, in 69, they wrapped things up and said, or, or 68, and said there's no point in continuing to study UFOs. There's nothing to it. And the Air Force used that proclamation to end Project Blue Book. Well, actually, it, 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 go, it, it goes a lot deeper than that. There was a letter from a fellow named Robert Hippler, who was an Air Force officer, a lieutenant colonel, and I forget what office he was working for, he wrote to Robert Lowe of the Condon Committee and says, here's what we'd like you to do. And one of the things that we'd like you to say something nice about the Air Force investigation. We'd like you to say that there is uh, nothing of scientific value that can be gained by further investigation. And we would like you to say that the, we should end the project and then we can end the project and everybody will go away happy. And that's exactly what happened. And that was before any money was spent, any investigation was done, and you can see it throughout the report. And my favorite, very favorite uh, case in, that they investigated in the uh, Condon Committee was in the mid-1950s, and it was a sighting up in, uh, over the Atlantic Ocean near Labrador. And they uh, concluded that it was a natural phenomenon so rare it had never been seen before <laughs> or since. 
And I'm never think, seen before or since. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so rare. And I think it. Well, a that could describe a flying saucer, but b if it was a natural phenomenon, that would suggest that there was something of scientific value to be learned from further study of UFOs. It may not lead us to the extraterrestrial, but certainly there would be something of scientific value to be found. And uh, so the Condon Committee was, yeah. as you say, is was a way of of, I guess convincing the public that there's nothing to UFOs and they should go on to do something else right. that they, uh, there was no, no interest and when in that. When yes. it had just barely gotten underway, when Robert Lowe, the infamous, told the gathered group of Colorado, University of Colorado professors that the quote, and he used this word, the trick would be to make it appear to the public that this is a group of open-minded, fair-minded scientists trying to look at a phenomenon when in actuality we're all highly skeptical of it and we have zero chance of ever finding a saucer in all this. So that was the second-in-command in the Condon Committee. This ended up with a revolt. Two of the scientists were fired the uh, executive secretary walked out, it, and it was a great embarrassment that they really couldn't convince their own people that their cause was just. Was there any sightings that they looked at um, that maybe didn't make it into their final report, the Condon Committee's final report, a scientific study of UFOs, um, that the CIA was a so little, I can't tell you if they did not look at some. There was one that was a minor league baseball manager was tending his field when he saw, um, I think it was just, no, it was maybe two saucers, and he picked up his movie camera and took film of it, turned it over to the Air Force, and when he got it back several months later, he got a very, very poor copy of what he had given them. Well, that was um, that was Nick Mariana. That was Nick Mariana in the 1950s. He took the film in uh, Great yeah. Falls, Montana, in 1950. Great Falls, yeah. And there was also a controversy about the um, length of the film that he turned over to him. He said it had been sub was substantially reduced. That the yeah. uh, that the first but, part yeah, of the film where you could were clipped out of it. And the Air the Force admitted that showed the vehicle at its clearest. Yeah. And and the Air Force admitted to having moved one frame because the sprockets were damaged. But I think uh, Barry Greenwood did a wonderful study of that and determined that there was a uh, several feet of footage that had disappeared before he got his his film back. I, and the Condon Committee did look at that and they looked at the Tremonton, Utah film and they they. Uh, but they avoided things like Leveland, Texas, where the thing interacted with the environment, and they reduced it to suggesting, well, we had a case where this woman claimed that her car had been stalled by the UFOs, and we went out and we magnetically mapped her car, and uh, there were discrepancies in her story, so we didn't do anything with it. And I'm thinking, uh, Leveland, guys, you cannot dismiss Leveland because somebody else in 1967 uh, told a different story. So it goes in that direction. We're coming up on our last and final break here. So we'll be taking that in just a moment. Once again, the book, when it comes out, when it is finished by Dan Wright, is the CIA UFO papers. And I learned about this by checking out Amazon. So uh, there's at least, I think, some notes up there about it. 
my blog is okay. www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And once again, uh, I point out that the X-Zone Broadcast Network has many great programs to deal with the paranormal. And I'm sure that there's going to be something that will interest almost anybody on the on that uh list of programs at xzbn.net so take a look at the listings at the website and uh, tune in on some of those programs especially my friend Larry Lawson who uh, does uh, paranormal uh, and ghost stories which I find very interesting we will be back in just a moment with Dan Wright uh, and conclude our discussion of the CIA and UFOs and where things are going in the future so please stick around here and they've been here for thousands of years making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Christopher Fulton is a survivor of the National Security State. All he wanted to do was preserve history when he acquired a Cartier watch from the estate of President Kennedy's personal secretary. But that simple act set off a terrible chain reaction. He was pursued by the U.S. Justice Department and the FBI, thrust into the middle of the U.S. government's Assassination Records Review Board, even monitored and pursued by the Russian government. All because that Cartier watch was the missing link of evidence, a timepiece worn by JFK that fateful day in Dallas, a link resulting in Christopher being incarcerated and attacked for nine years because he opened a hidden chapter in history. The intriguing journey outlined fully in Christopher Fulton's memoir, The Inheritance, is available now through Trinday.com or Amazon.com. The Inheritance, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination by Christopher and Michelle Fulton is a must-read, an incredible tale of how easily our own government can overrule justice. The Inheritance, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination. I am here with Dan Wright. We have been talking about the CIA and their interest in UFOs and their and their claimed lack of interest is why I kind of chuckle here, their lack of interest in UFOs. Uh, when we went, went away, we were talking about the um, Condon Committee and some of the, uh, I guess, good cases they, they missed when they were investigating. And I think immediately of Shag Harbor, which was the, the crash, the uh, forced landing in in uh, Canada in 1968 and their their investigation well we talked to some guy and he said it was a bunch of teenagers and we're not interested and I'm thinking here is something was a great interest to the 
Canadian government, the U.S. government, there were various military forces involved and law enforcement people involved, and the best the content could do is say, well, we talked to some teenagers and we're not interested. Uh, did you see anything about anything like that in the, in the U papers that you looked at? Uh, no, not really. Uh, I wanted to tell you a couple of things twice in this century. Um, there have been internal CIA documents that got mixed in with something that was going out the door, and in each case it was a manager type telling another manager, yes, we continue to have a strong interest in UFOs, and we investigate very quietly, but the public can never know because of their tendency to panic if they thought we were involved. That happened in 2012, and before that, I think in 2003, there was such mention. So, and back in 76, they said that they had dropped interest in 52, but they're a quarter century later, half a century later, they're still at it. And these documents appear on the, the website? These are documents that I got off the website, yes, that this happened to be slipped in. Ah, the way, the way things work. And you were going to say before I so rudely interrupted? <laughs> I would um, regale your audience with my own personal encounter. I had two, but the second one, or the first one was more colorful, I guess. It was 1978. And I was on a business trip with a colleague. She was driving. We were on an interstate in Michigan, I-94, when I saw something coming the other way beyond the oncoming lanes through the trees that didn't look right. The, the uh, running lights did not look right. They would be violating FAA rules. So I shouted at the driver to stop the car, and she did. And as we were climbing out, it made a very tight left turn and moved directly over us, uh, 200 feet or so over us, absolutely silent. Um, there was a structured kind of piping on the underside, but it was like charcoal black, as big as, well, a 747 wingspan. This was a what some people call a boomerang, others say a triangle, and I know why. It is like an isosceles triangle on two sides. The back side is not exactly a straight line. It's kind of indented to give you the sense of maybe a boomerang-type shape. But it's closer to really an isosceles triangle. So it moved, oh, at jogging speed directly over us, made a, what I've often called a, or a pirouette in a farm field next to the freeway. It, the turn was so tight, no conventional aircraft could ever do that. And again, it's, it's going at walking speed. And then it stopped over a little clump of trees that the farmer had left in this field and stayed there for some 10 minutes. I saw another motorist off to the side who was watching it with his son, and I, tr as I was trading notes with him about how we came to see this, it slowly started gliding away some 50, 80 feet off the ground, 
and in a few more minutes, without speeding up, it was simply lost on the horizon. So, you know, I had just gotten into MUFON six months before, but if there was anything that would keep my interest for a lifetime, it was that night. Because nothing that we have could possibly duplicate the movements of this thing. And how big was it, did you say? Oh, I, I would say in feet, maybe 200-foot wing, wingspan, about the size of a 747 wingspan. But it was all one solid black piece. There was no... They they did have there was a running light on the right and the left wingtip that were both red and that's why it wouldn't wouldn't pass FAA muster, um, but it it moved very so slowly that nothing we have would have a stall speed that slow, and that's what really convinced me. Dang, there really is something to this subject. I guess I'm going to stay involved. And when did you say this was? 78. So you did, of 78. So you didn't have your cell phone with well you to take a photograph. The, the Hudson Valley sightings, those were in 83 and 84. Mine was a few years before in 78 of the same thing. And you got a very good look at it, obviously. <laughs> very good look for long minutes, yes. Yeah, it was greatly impressive, my friend. And did th this, is, of course, underscored your interest in UFOs. Yeah, yeah. Had I not had that experience and another one just a few weeks later with, I think, the same thing, um, I might well have drifted away. But this made such a gigantic impression on me that there was no way I could walk away from it. And since it was the 1970s, you had no cell phone with a camera. Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't even own a camera at the time. <laughs> yeah, it would have been great to take a cell phone shot as you would today. Yeah, I have, and I wonder why we don't have more of those, but then I realize everybody's looking down at the screen instead of up in the sky, so that kind of explains that. <laughs> so um, you were inspired to take a look at these millions of pages of uh, CIA documents, you came to the conclusion that the yeah, CIA it turned out to be thousands. <laughs> but the CIA, the CIA really has an interest in UFOs. They just don't want anybody to know about it because they fear that that would, yeah. I guess, validate the uh, UFO community. Yeah, and one other, we were talking about the the file dump, as I called it um, earlier on. What was impressive to me, not in a good sense, was that the agency, whether it was their file clerks or their or um, managers or whatever, they did not file these in any kind of order, not chronological, not by subject matter. It was just dumped. So they had a place to put all this stuff, and eventually I think Obama made them cough it up just before he left office. But um, they, were there security markings so, on there? Were there security on markings on many there? Many of them, yeah. Uh, yeah. Secret, top secret. What was the security level? Both secret and top secret. 
so we're looking I wondered why top secret was used it didn't seem that sensitive uh, but many of them were just uh, they had official forms all around the world that their um, that their people would use to periodically send in reports on all manner of subjects but and many many of the the paragraphs were redacted you know blacked out and what they would leave would be a little bit where the person talked about well over in the town of uh, a group saw a saucer last night that hovered over some trees so that would be what i wanted to see the rest of it probably did not pertain to ufos it was other secret matters well i can tell you why they would classify some of the stuff talk secret and it's simply to restrict the uh people who have access to it because uh, almost every every military officer has a secret clearance and uh, so if you, you if you classify a top secret, you reduce the number of people who would have access to that material, and that would be the reason to do that. Well, listen, I'm out of time here. I've been speaking with Dan Wright. Dan, I thank you for taking time to chat with us about your upcoming book, uh, the CIA UFO Papers, and the, your insight into their... It'll be out their... by the end of the summer, I'm sure. <laughs> and as I say, it'll be... Uh, I, I think it'll be a fascinating book, given the sources that you'll be quoting there. So uh, thank you very much for joining me on the A Different Perspective. You bet. Have a good night. You too. Thank you very much. Next week, I'm going to be speaking with Dan Fenton. We're going to be talk talking about hybrid humans. And in the upcoming weeks, we'll be talking to Steve Bassett about disclosure and finally Nick, Re Nick Redfern about his book. As I say, I will be in Roswell for the uh, festival this year. And we're going to try to get some uh, interviews taped down there for a broadcast here on a different perspective. Uh, some of the people down there will be very fascinating, and I hope that we can get a lot of them uh, on the record here talking about their experiences. And I'll be, of course, making a few presentations. And as I say, if you get down there, come by, say hello. I'll have a table. We'll, we can chat about UFOs and whatever you want. My blog is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. The latest book is Case MJ-12, which is an update of a book that I did uh, about uh, 15 years ago and with new information about uh, the nonsense of MJ-12, if you will. Uh, also take a look at Encounter in the Desert, which is an examination of the Lonnie Zamora sighting. And I think there's some interesting new information in there that uh, might fire you up. And of course, Roswell in the 21st century, which is a dispassionate look at the Roswell case. As I say, I will be back next week in 167 hours with another version of A Different Perspective. Uh, thanks for listening. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. 
Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simul TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. <laughs> 